Ladies and gentlemen, the Vikings are 3-1. and one. And it's a day for celebration and also a cause for concern. Because this team is an ugly 3-1. and one. And while it's always good to have three wins out of four games, let's talk about what needs to be fixed moving forward so we can keep that going. And that's what we're going to talk about here tonight. And it all starts with the good, the bad, and the Kirk. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Writer at NBC Sports Edge. Contributor at USA Today's Vikings Wire. Sports Illustrated's All Seahawks. And founder of Substack Run and Shooter. As well as a member of Climbing the Pocket. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Butch Cassidy. With me in the producer's box is the Sundance Kid. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you? It's a beautiful Monday down here in Texas. And, Mm -hmm. of course, our Minnesota Vikings got the victory yesterday. Yes, yes, they did. And we're going to talk a lot about it because let's just cut to the chase right now, Dave. There's a, a big segment of the fan base that is upset with this team and how they're playing football. But the weird thing is, they're winning when last year they weren't. And I think that's a really big deal. Now, um, columnist for the Vikings Wire, Score North's Judd Zulgad, talked about that in his column last night, his postgame column, talking about how the Vikings are now winning games that they weren't in years past because they're figuring out how to win them ugly. And I think that's really important. Now, we are big fans of the Vikings and we want them to win every single game. That's really not the issue here. The issue is being that we we now have to put our analyst caps on, which you already have nice salute to service gear, by the way. Um, It's more about understanding how they're getting this accomplished. How are they winning? How are they losing? How are they playing the game of football so we can project them out? Because I'll tell you this, the tough part is I'm I'm thrilled with the win. I nobody's going to complain about the fact the Vikings won, but if they continue to play like this, they are not going to win very many more games, and that's why we are trying to hold this team to a high standard. And it's something we talked about during the off season. We have a high standard for this football team. We expect a Super Bowl at some point in time, and believe Kevin O'Connell could be the guy to get us there with Quasi Dobelman as his general manager. We are going to hold them to that standard until it gets accomplished. And because that is a difficult standard, we're going to have to make some tough criticisms. We're going to talk a lot of good today, Dave, and I'm going to give a lot of praise to the offensive line. Even though they struggled a little bit yesterday, they Mm -hmm. did what they had to do in tough situations against a really good pass rushing unit. We're also going to talk about the ugly stuff. That's why this episode is titled The Good, The Bad, and The Kirk, because you really got a lot of everything today um and i do want to point out dave that raymond and i both agree that your hat is awesome well thanks it's last year's design but i liked it and uh it's cool oh absolutely it's cool um they've they've been doing a really good job putting out cool new hats and if the wife wouldn't kill me for how many i already have i'd buy another one (laughs) but let's uh oh joseph good call with the buffalo trace i am drinking good old uh bobby boucher h2o uh-uh, not me. I'm drinking Wolfhound Irish, mm-hmm. which I found interesting because yeah. when I first, I generally prefer my whiskey neat, and uh, mm-hmm. 
On this, it says, uh, no, add a little ginger ale or water to bring out the flavors. And definitely with this whiskey, doing that, it generally releases the oils in the whiskey, and it improved it tremendously. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. It doesn't take much, just yeah. a few drops. Yeah. And, and um, un- right unfortunately, we couldn't have him directly on the show, but Odie is doing doing very well in his crate. If you can see him there, he is, he wishes he could be here but he would just chew up my entire office and he is just not at a point where he can be a very good boy and just sit around and wait for me to be done. So he is, he's hanging out with this pumpkin. I would like to welcome everybody that's watching over um, on YouTube. You guys are posting. I love it. It's great. And those that are watching on Facebook, it's uh, we've got Brian's already posted, but I see there's a lot more watching over there. Thank you for joining us tonight. We're about to get in it, and we hope you enjoy the show. Yes, absolutely. And let's just start talking about it, Dave. And I'm going to start with some good. We're going to talk about the offensive line. Now, it was very frustrating to see how much pressure that they were getting on the outside. But I think it needs to be contextualized because in order to truly understand why they were getting pressure, you have to understand what the Vikings are doing. And I know you noticed, Dave, because you are an offensive line savant, and that is one of your favorite things. It's one of my favorite things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the reason why that they were getting pressure on O'Neal and Derrissaw isn't because O'Neal and Derrissaw played poorly or they're bad. It's because they're being asked to guard these edge rushers one-on-one all the time. They're being left on what's called the island, and I'm sure you've heard that term before. Basically, they're getting no help, and they're asked, hey, Go protect her cousins one-on-one. Just do it all game. And it is a really good strategy, but unfortunately with that strategy, it's going to have some warts. You're going to get beat. The reason why they're having this strategy is because they don't necessarily trust the interior of that offensive line. Garrett Bradbury has played inherently better this year. That's because the guard play around him has improved, and they aren't asking the guards to help out the tackles at all. They are focusing on just the interior. That means... Garrett Bradbury feels like he doesn't have to compensate for anybody. He is just has to go do his job, and they're scheming very well around what Bradbury is, and that is an average center. And the output that he's producing because of how they're scheming everything and they're not asking him to do a lot has been tremendous, especially when you look at his PFF grade. Passing PFF grade yesterday, 80.8, and it was reversed in the running game. It was in the 40s with an overall, four, I believe it was 45.4. Listen, they're asking Bradbury to be who he is. He's going to lose, but he's losing slower, and he's making better decisions, and he feels comfortable with both guards next to him because Ed Ingram has been very good, and he has shown real improvement, especially in his pass blocking over the last few weeks. Dave, this is becoming a strength of the team, and I think it was a little bit of an overreaction when we talked in this space about how good the offensive line was because we were just so shocked by how much it seemed to jump over last year. But this unit has been consistent, and they are protecting Cousins consistently better than they have before. And that is an overall win for the Vikings. And it really starts with the fact that their strategy is, look, if you're going to beat us on the outside, you're going to go against two of the better tackles in the NFL. If you can beat us that way, all right, we're not going to let you beat us in the inside. And so far, it's working. For the most part, it's working, yes. It hasn't worked every single play, but for the most part. What you're seeing is 
The interior three will form a wall, and it'll go either left or right, depending on the, the call of the play and how the play develops, where you have all three guys blocking whatever's coming up that side, and whoever, yeah. if somebody tries to get outside, uh, either Ezra or uh, Ed Ingram might go with them a little bit. But it's the whole idea is it's harder to get through three guys than it is through one. Right. Um, if they were playing more individualistic, if you watch some of the film, you see that they are setting up some sweet pockets where Kirk Cousins has perfect time, room to step up if he wishes, and he has time. There's, but that only lasts so long. I don't care what offensive line you are, you've only got so long before that collapses and. And you're done. Somebody gets around the edge. I will say hi to Scott up in Oklahoma City. Welcome to the show, Scott. Um, they're doing so much better. And even in the run game, with we went from a wide zone to a, a middle zone, and there's a slight difference in where they place their helmets and who they're going to get. But when you see the breakdown of it, they're making those the reaches that they need to and they're sealing off lanes to give the running back, be it Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison, room to run through. And it is a good thing to see. Why we are so happy about the offensive line is how much of a step we can visually see from last season to this season. Now, are they a great offensive line yet? No, not even close. Are they coming up on mediocre? Yeah, they're they're there. Now, will they take further steps? You bet, because it takes offensive line time to generate chemistry. You know, the old chemistry, it needs that time, and that takes place over the beginning of the season because they don't get it in the preseason. They're Mm -hmm. going to get better and better as time goes on as long as they keep doing what they're doing. And it is something that, as a Vikings fan, you should be happy about. Because it is better, and it should lead to more production on the offensive side, and it it gives Kirk more time, and it's it's a good thing, and we haven't had that in a long time. As Darren and I talked on Saturday, we haven't had a good line really since two thousand nine. Now this line it does not approach two thousand nine yet. That should be a goal, but um. It's been a long time since we've had a decent line, and just seeing this makes us all happy. No, it absolutely should make us happy, and I really like, and Mary has it right there, more confidence. Mm -hmm. This team is playing with more confidence, and it's really showing in the offensive line. Um, I, I also think one of the impressive things, Dave, and please let me know if you disagree, I think that they've done a much better job in picking up the blitz, communicating with each other, and the running back stepping in and taking on defenders overall has been a net positive. And For I don't think that can be yes. under that. I don't think it can be stated enough. If you can pick up blitzes, listen, the playbook's out there to be Kirk. Pressure him, blitz him, make him make quick decisions, make him and make him make. Mm-hmm. It's a very easy blueprint. The problem is you can't always accomplish it. You can't always get to him quickly enough and really put that pressure on him 
and feel like that you can really take that next step. Well, if you can block the blitz, that's a really, really big deal. And it has made a huge difference for the Minnesota Vikings and trying to take that step with this uh, offense. It'll get better. Michael says this team will not win a playoff game. Even if they make the playoffs, they can't compete with the elite teams. Michael, I think there's only about three elite teams in the league right now. You've got uh, Buffalo, Kansas City, and uh, let's try to remember what the third one was. I wouldn't even put uh, Tampa in there. There is times – oh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia is on the mm-hmm. NFC. But we ha- we were close on the Philadelphia game. If, if yeah. it wasn't for a drop ball, we would have been in it. And it's just – Give this line, specific offensive line, to gel and start. Give the offense time to get going. Now, Kirk Cousins is off to a relatively slow and alarming start, but he's Kirk Cousins, and he has demonstrated the ability to come back in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. It was Today they were talking about, you know, his great unscripted plays and then and in the fourth quarter. If he can smooth that out and get into – you know, Kirktober and Kirk November, we're we're gonna be better. Now we worry about the defense, but that's a whole different mm-hmm. other story. But yeah. I wouldn't worry about elite teams or being competitive in the playoffs yet. We have a lot more of the season to go. Yeah, absolutely. And we've already beaten one of the so called elite teams, and that is the Green Bay Packers. Now obviously losing to the Philadelphia Eagles like that hurts, but we've seen the Eagles are legit, and they're already 4-0. And they're not just they're winning. The they're they're beating people. Like, they got down 14-0 in the Jaguars. Jaguars started quick. And then once they got that 14 point, they just started pulverizing Trevor Lawrence in that offense. It was a, an absolute beatdown from that point on. This Eagles team is legit. They are very, very good, and they're built to compete for a long, long time. Now, let's kind of talk about this. Joseph brings it up. Uh, does Kirk need glasses? Um, Raymond also mentions that blitzing is how you beat Brady and every other QB. Mm-hmm. Kind of, but some quarterbacks are better against the blitz. Some are do a really good job of hitting their hot routes and taking advantage and gashing defenses when they blitz. Kirk is not quite on that level, which is why when you get pressure on him like that, he tends to go into a little bit of a panic mode um, and become chaos Kirk. And then mm-hmm. that's not good for anybody except the defense. They love chaos Kirk. Um, but let's talk about it. Just Kirk needs glasses. Joseph kind of uh, elaborates on it. On my TV screen, I can see Justin Jefferson wide open in the end zone when he checked down to Thielen, who was out of the end zone in front of Jefferson. A two-yard pass and third down on goal. <sighs> that one stunk. It was very bad. Um, now, it's a very layered conversation. So when you take a look, you have Thielen. Thielen's running a jet motion, so it's that motion at the snap where he's like at the center when they snap the ball, and then he just continues on his motion. Jefferson's in the corner. It's cover two, so the corner in front of Jefferson is playing in the flat, so he's supposed to pick up Thielen. Marshawn Lattimore's job in that scenario is to put as much of a jam on Justin Jefferson as he possibly can so uh, the safety has time to get over and cover the corner. Pretty simple concept. You should, in theory, be able to um, cover that if you're the defense because Lattimore's right there for Thielen, okay? Now, Jefferson is able to get away enough, and he's 
wide open in the end zone. Lattimore is not in position to flip his hips and get back to the corner and cover it, and the safety is too far away. So the read is Jefferson, and you throw it to the back pylon, you give your receiver a chance to catch it, and you make sure the defender can't. Very simple. This is elementary stuff for quarterbacks. Now, even if you throw it too far out of bounds and you miss the throw, that's okay because you did not give the cornerback or safety a chance to intercept the football. That's the key with that read. It's a safe throw, and we talk about this all the time with Kirk Cousins. He likes to pick safe throws, Dave. Well, unfortunately, he picked a throw that was relatively covered with that dealing uh, flat route, and it didn't even come close to getting in the end zone. And he's got Jefferson wide open. And now Jefferson was open on the play before where they did dual dig routes. And Kirk didn't make the wrong decision because Thielen was also open. He just made a poor throw. Thielen was unable to bring it in. Yada, yada, bing, bang. This throw where Kirk was should have made that back corner was very frustrating. And Raymond brought, brings up a very good point. Kirk addressed it in the press conference. He thought the cornerback was going to drop back, and he wishes that he would have pumped and thrown to JJ. Now, he, here's the tough part, Dave. I really don't like if Kirk really thought uh, that the corner was going to bail out and go back and cover Jefferson. What it then? Maybe Cousins does need glasses. That was a very, very poor decision. It should have been the easy question for him. is at that point. It's can I throw the ball fast enough that I can beat the corner to dropping back? Right, and, and he Lattimore should. was never going to drop back. Well, I, he, I mean, once once he saw the throw, he may have tried, but there's no way he's getting there because he's on like the three yard line, and that ball's going twelve yards behind him. Not only twelve yards straight back, but it's on a perpendicular. It's on a parallel, so he's got to go even farther to try and make an impact on that throw. Cousins has the protection. He, he's got to know that when he sees Lattimore jam like that and then stay in a drop zone, that that throw is open. He's a, Any capable starting quarterback in the NFL can make that throw. Any capable quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater can make that throw. Tua can make that throw. Mahomes, Kyler, Lamar. And you know what? I bet Cooper Rush can make that throw. That young man is now 4-0 as a starting quarterback. So it's a little less of an insult that he beat the Vikings on Halloween now, which is always good for us. Our misery is less miserable. Um, it's it's just we'll really tough that... After that the bye. Yeah, it's, it's really tough that Cousins is not making those reads because it's very simple. It's elementary stuff. And it has me concerned, Dave. Why isn't he making those reads? Yeah, O'Connell did say in his press conference today that they're still going through them through the ups and downs, learning this offense. They're still joining together, and Kevin O'Connell is very confident that Cousins will become more consistent in this offense. <sighs> Look, you've been playing in the, the basically a modified version of the same system since 2013. At what point, Dave? At what point? Are we going to get this figured out? Because as much as there might be a little bit of a learning curve with communication with O'Connell and Cousins, I'm not buying it anymore. This is the offense that you you've run for years. It's the same concepts. You're running them slightly differently, but 
you're talking about, oh, here's a dagger concept. Dagger concept, the inside receiver runs a go, the outside receiver runs a dig and cuts underneath. So if they jump the dig, you have the deep route. If they stay deep to cover, you have the dig on the inside. Very simple concept, right? So what this offense does is it's the illusion of complexity. They're going to run that concept down your throat and give it to you in about 10 different ways. It's like, hey, Dave, here's the vanilla ice cream. Now each time you get it, you're going to have different toppings on it. That's what this offense is. It's the same stuff shown differently. And I'm not buying that this quarterback needs more time in a system that he basically already knows. He's worked with O'Connell before. He's worked with McVay before. He's run this offense with Sean McVay. Now, obviously, everybody who runs the same thing, like every manufacturer, Kemp's, Blue Bunny, Hagen Dazs, Baskin Robbins, they're all going to have their own vanilla ice cream. They're all going to be slightly different. But at the end of the day, it's vanilla ice cream. Kirk Cousins should know this by now. They should be comfortable. And it's just inherently frustrating that they're still talking about this. And he is not making simple reads with easy throws. I'm not even asking him to throw into double coverage or make a gutsy throw. This is a simple throw. It's an easy throw. It's a throw any starting quarterback can make. And we're still talking about this. This is the frustration with this Vikings team and Kirk Cousins. Joseph says Andy Dalton can make that throw. Andy Dalton made some big boy throws yesterday. That throw to Chris Olave to set up that uh, attempting game-winning field goal, the double doink at the end, that was a big boy throw. Nicholas is correct on this statement, though. We had some drops. Oh, yes. Um, the Johnny Munt drop on third and one. People, um, I saw Kevin Seifert of ESPN. I have a lot of respect for Seifert. He is a very, very good uh, writer and reporter. He mentioned that oh, Adam Thielen was open on the corner route. The read there is if the flat is open, you take the flat first because it's an easy first down. And Kirk made a great throw. Johnny Munt dropped it. And like there was there was some off kilter stuff. I highly recommend um, Luke Braun, the host of Lockdown Vikings, good friend of mine. He started a Patreon. I recommend you go subscribe. Each week, he breaks down multiple different things in the Vi- on the Vikings. And last week, he talked about why Kirk Cousins was inaccurate. He was oddly inaccurate last week, and there was some really good insight as to why. And I don't think it'll be a long-term issue, at least not yet. Uh, I recommend you go watch that. Well, Kirk Cousins um, is off to his worst start as a Viking when you're mm-hmm. talking about how accurate he's been. And, yes, Luke did a great job. And, you know, the mechanics where he sails balls and he does – and he's behind. We saw a lot of behind balls yesterday, right, um, and short a little bit. Whether the one is C.J. Ham, where C.J. Ham came back in and tried to get it and failed to get it. But it was – they were not as nicely thrown as works as we're used to with Kirk Cousins. Because mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins has the talent and has throws a nice football. It's um, whether he's holding on to it just a little bit better or whether he wants to step into it because he throws a better ball when he can step into it body-wise. We see a lot yesterday and the week before and the week before that where if he feels the pressure in a rush, he steps and throws off his back foot, which sails a balloon mm-hmm. ball and – 
more susceptible to interception and more susceptible to not be accurate. There's certain things Kirk is not doing as well as he used to, but we hope that that comes around because it may be the uncomfortableness of learning the new system, which is related to the old system, but with different language. The Mm -hmm. whole getting the chemistry, offensive line has chemistry. Obviously, Kirk has his own chemistry with how he deals with what wide receivers he trusts and how he likes to throw and whether he knows they're going to be and by trust. Some of that means as a quarterback, if you're dropping back and you get the ball and you're looking over here, but you know you got Adam Thielen off this way, you don't have to look at him to know he's going to be exactly where you want to turn and throw the ball to, that he's going to be there, right? Stuff like that. It we may have that little bit of a bump in the road, and it's a big bump so far, that uh, it's not happening yet. But I think what time it is. I just I just like the fact that we've been lucky, and luck plays a part of football. You cannot tell me otherwise. Mm-hmm. You can be great stats across the board, and you have that football bounce the wrong way. And, uh, you know, or a ref calls something that they shouldn't have, and that came in our favor on Sunday. There's uh but we're we're building that comfort zone. Racking up wins, and now we're only three and one, helps that comfort zone as they progress through the season. I think Kirk will get better. If not, he's he's a lame duck. And he very well may think he's a lame duck, but I bet if that ever enters his mind, I'll bet he'll become super Kirk. Um, mm-hmm. because he'll be playing for his next contract and his next team. But I think uh, as frustrating as it has been, and Sunday's game was frustrating, uh, there's a lot of younger people than me that were talking about the heart attacks and the, the to and fro and all this and all that. I'm just laughing, you know, and Judd was laughing too. It's just get used to it. This is this team. Um, yep. It is. There's still we're we're three and one. We're building up that cushion to where we can learn, and that's a good thing. And Kirk should get better. If not, he's gone after the year, right? They'll trade him. Yeah. No, absolutely. They'll, um, they'll Dave, draft Dave. a replacement or sign a replacement. Yeah. Dave, do me a favor. Um, Two comments up uh, from Raymond. I, I want you to throw it on the screen. Raymond's one of one of our most loyal listeners, and I really appreciate it. And I, I, I want to talk about it. It's not that one. It's the one above it, uh, okay. about giving Kirk more grace. Um, Raymond says, I, I'll give Kirk um, some more grace because it's his first time I've heard him say that he has to do better. And Tyler, this is not the same offenses he ran before. Come on. That's not how training works. So it's it, – I kind of disagree with you, Raymond, and I kind of agree. And I want to I want to answer your question in depth because he's played for Sean McVay, and this is the McVay style of the zone offense. Like this is he's already played with this. He's already used almost all of these concepts before because no matter what version of the zone uh, scheme that you run, you run a lot of these concepts. It's basically like. Learn it like taking an algebra equation and then you're just learning a new way to solve it. 
Like you already know what you're doing. You're just evolving what you're already doing. So I say that he should already be there because it's not like we're going and asking him to run Josh McDaniels offense, the Earhart Perkins system, where it's a gap um, man power running scheme. You're running a lot of different passing concepts and you're doing a lot less play action and throwing the ball down the field. Like they're just inherently different. We're not asking him to learn something inherently different. We're asking him to learn how to do the same thing slightly differently. So we're not asking him to reinvent the wheel. And I really believe this offense, especially Kirk, should be farther along because of his experience. And I, 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 I totally understand what you're saying about shooting. Because if you change one little thing, considering like when you when I go trap shooting and I change something, I can be way off or I can be spot on. Like I, I get that your analogy makes complete sense, Raymond. But we're not asking him to change something he's already doing. We're just asking him to to adapt slightly. And I, I think it's a little part. different than shooting. That may be the hardest part. Because if you're and he talks about trap shooting, I've shot trap and skeet before too. And I relate to that. But to me, it's more golf because I grew up golfing. You can go up there and you, you have a, a particular swing, right? And, and you're good at it. You're good at it. You're good at it, but you're not quite getting there. And then you try something new. To me, it was I used to, rather than interlock fingers on my grip, I used to overlap fingers on my grip. And once I eventually went to the interlock and it, and got it to feel normal, I was playing better. It was, it's something that, yeah, I was doing it, you know, I was real close before. I mean, very, very close before. And, but I completely changed my drawback, everything else. And that was easier to change than to just modify little bits, tweaks at a time. I completely mm-hmm. did. That was an easier change than just, you know, little tweaking at the edges. Now you got to be able to tweak at the edges, but it's, I think that's where he's having a problem because the default for him in his head and his body, the muscle memory is the way he did it. He's being asked to do it just slightly different. Whether the thought process is, you know, I'm looking at that corner, and I'm going to read him. He's going to drop back. I'm seeing something. He's going to drop back. Don't throw. Whereas Kevin McConnell is in his ear going, no, that's where I want you to take that throw. That's where I want you to push that read because you have the talent and the arm to get past there before the defender ever gets there, right? Take that throw. He's having a hard time because he's so ingrained over 10 years of going, no, 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 I go over here. No, I know that corner is going to do this, so no, I'm going over here, right? To get him to change that is harder than would be to go to a completely different system because then it's it's a fresh start. It's, it's that little bit of tweaking, that last little bit that's hard. Does he get there? I think he will. And when he does, I think we're all going to be excessively – happy and we're going to see the explosion in offense that we were promised that we have yet to see through four games does that make sense i think it does and uh, i i think i'll kind of step back and not be as annoyed about the system because i think 
you know, Raymond's comment hearing you kind of explain it, walk it through from that perspective. I think, I think it makes a little bit of sense. And now I'll be less annoyed about learning the scheme and more annoyed about just his decision-making because it was booty. Um, and one thing that we always notice, and you mentioned it at the top, Dave, he's, he was really good on those scripted plays and then kicked it in a high gear when things were, you know, about to go to, down the toilet. And that happened that time the last few years too. Remember when he gets two scores down, he becomes super Kirk and he pads the stats. We want to, we want to make that gap between scripted and super Kirk. We want to narrow that and close it. Mm-hmm. So one interesting thing, Dave, um, that It all started with his interception, right? Once he threw that interception in the first quarter to Teron Matthew, just kind of went kablooey. It went, as Paul Allen says, it went pear-shaped. Like, he just kind of he goes into a shell and doesn't want to push the ball down the field. And I think that's one of the reasons why he didn't want to make that throw to Jefferson. Even though in hindsight, you got to make that throw to Jefferson, man. You're Kirk Cousins. You're How do you fix good- that? Do you know? Have you listened enough, seen enough? How do you fix that? I don't know if if a quarterback throws a bad interception, how do you fix it? I don't know if you can with Kirk at this point because it's 34. If it's not fixed by now, can we expect expect it to get fixed? I I genuinely don't think so. You can with play calling. You then start to give him stuff to get him in rhythm. Have him throw a screen. Have him throw something to the flat. Have him throw an out. You step him down on your next series of throws, right, purposely. Step him down and build his confidence back up. He will then go, and as long as he can successfully do that, he will then come out of that funk and go, hey, you know, I threw an interception, but I just now threw five passes in a row, Less than 10 yards, but they're all successful. So next time, I'm going to push it a little bit further, and I'm going to push it a little bit further. And then then you bust out, um, you know, K.J. Osborne deep to clear something out and then have J.J. coming across and Thielen come in the middle and then go, you know, take your choice based on coverage. And I bet he makes the best choice at that time. But there, those are coaching things. You make them. It's you know I don't like saying it, but you make them. You're coddling them. You're making them feel good. But in the long run, that's an advantage because he produces better. Mike Zimmer, when that would happen, would suddenly call a rash of hand the ball off to Dalvin Cook. Hand the ball off. 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 And he wouldn't get that many throws. Right, but what you need to do—it's like the receiver that drops it. What do they say you do? The next throw, you go exactly back to him, right? Because you want him to catch it. You don't want him thinking about it for another twenty minutes before he gets a ball again. And that is, those are things that can uh, build confidence. Mary, thank you. in how you're playing, and then all those errors start to diminish over time. He won't be making as many. Kevin O'Connell should know this. 
that's what we should expect to see. Next time, watch it. If there's a particularly bad interception throw, watch what comes on the next series when Kirk Cousins has, you know, when the offense has the ball again, what Kirk Cousins is asked to do. And hopefully it's very rhythmic style, get him to do stuff. Now, do I like that he threw the interception? Oh, heck no, I don't like that he threw the interception. Do I think there's problems with his mechanics sometimes? Yes. And his decisions? Yes. You know how I feel about Kirk Cousins. I am not a fan. But as if I was a coach, there were certain things I'd do to try to improve that. I think Kevin O'Connell is smart enough to identify that. You, um, We talk, we both listen to Judd. We love Judd. I've loved Judd for years since he was with the strip. Um, uh, it's he talks about how now nah, I lost my train of thought. Um, when it comes to Kirk Cousins, that I still lost my train of thought. Never mind. Keep going. There was I was going to say something, but I, it it got destroyed by one of the alcohol. <laughs> you lost that brain cell. Understood. <clears throat> well, I think I think you'll have it come back. Like, well, hey, Purple Haze, welcome. Um, it's okay if you're still in Europe time. I hope you enjoyed the trip out across the pond to England because not only did you Good get a Vikings over. game, you got a classic Vikings game where they have to eke out a win at the end. Like, you got a real Vikings experience in a different country. That's not something that you could have said with the previous two games. So that is cool. Um, we've had we've had plenty of Kirk Cousins talk. And once I get my hands on the All-22, there will be a lot of breakdowns with Kirk Cousins. I'm going to look, Dave, at the play calling afterwards and kind of see um, how Kevin O'Connell challenged him because I don't know if you're right. I think you're right in concept. I don't know if you're right in how it's being implemented. And I'm going to find that answer out because it, it is interesting to kind of hear you break it all down. And, hey, let's challenge him. Let's give him the opportunities to make those kind of throws. But my point of contention is my hypothesis is he doesn't want to make those throws, even if they're there, because he goes into a shell. So he that dichotomy is going to be – yeah, turtles. That's a great way to put it. It's going to be interesting to see how that – um, kind of translates. Um, and what Judd was thinking in that, I found that brain cell. What Judd was thinking is that how um, Kevin O'Connell thought he was getting a certain thing with Kirk Cousins. And mm -hmm. then he's starting to realize that, no, Kirk Cousins is doing this and producing this. And he's like, oh, no. I thought I could do this, but now I got to coddle him or do whatever and coach him. And it's different. And then realizing that, oh, I understand why Mike Zimmer did what sort of Mike Zimmer did. And it was, are the Kubiaks more likely the Kubiaks and the Kubiak system? That's why we're seeing a lot of what looks like the Kubiak system being run. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, both a learning part on Kevin O'Connell as a new head coach and on Kirk. But watch, watch that sequence afterwards. Once he does something mm -hmm. bad, watch what Kevin O'Connell does afterwards. I'll be interested to look. I may even watch it. 
I definitely will because it's very interesting to kind of look at from a long-term perspective and see how, how things are developing. Mm-hmm. Um, now let's kind of talk about a, a couple quick hitters, Dave, before we get out of here tonight, because we only have about 15 minutes left. Um, let's talk about the Chicago bears really quick. The bears, yeah. the bears, the bulls, the bears, the bulls. Where's my sausage? <laughs> I I, I love I love the those Dan Aykroyd skits. Those are tremendous content from uh, Saturday Night Live back in its heyday. So the Bears come in; they're seven and a half point underdogs per um, typical sports book. The sports book okay. I use I heard when seven I write this morning, for, but okay, seven and a half, about right. That's yeah. it's the one I have to use when I write for the Vikings Wire. So okay. seven and a half points. Shockingly, Dave. Now, obviously, the Bears haven't played a tremendous schedule, and they also had the monsoon game against a very good offense, San Francisco. They are 12th in the league in points allowed, and they are 21st in the league in yards allowed. So that kind of fits in with what the Vikings offense has been. They get a lot of yards. They don't score a ton of points. So coming in to U.S. Bank Stadium, you can argue that it's going to, one, be the best weather that the, the Bears have played in. And uh, and obviously they played at Lambeau on a Sunday night, but it was a struggle. It was a big time struggle because the Packers are still figuring out their own self. And who and, can as you, Aaron Rodgers trust? As you hear soap opera uh, music playing in the background. <laughs> yeah. Um, you kind of look at the Bears. Um, Raymond S is Justin Fields good. We don't know, but I'll tell you this. The uh, the Bears regime doesn't think he's very good because they're intentionally putting him in positions to fail. And you can just tell that they don't love him. Right. They're purposely uh, trying to lose. They're as close to tanking as an NFL team can get. Yeah. They are tanking, and they're 2-2. Two and two. They and they, But they did lose to a Giants team that had to play Saquon Barkley in a wildcat role for almost an entire quarter because both Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor were hurt. So you can kind of take that with a grain of salt. I will say one thing with the Bears, it's going to be a division game. They're going to be feisty, and they can run the football. Starting left guard Cody Whitehair is arguably their – oh, thank you, Mary. You're so nice. Um, Whitehair is arguably their best offensive lineman, plays left guard. He will be out on Sunday as he nurses an ankle injury and could be out for a few games. Now, if they can stop the run with Khalil Herbert, because Herbert's done a really good job in replacing of David Montgomery, who's battling injury himself, the Vikings can easily win this game. Robert Quinn can still rush on the outside. Jalen Johnson's a very good corner. You have Eddie Jackson at safety, Roquan Swift in the middle. They have dudes on all three levels of defense. They have decent, um, decent secondary players. Joseph. Oh, yes, we don't have to face Akeem Hicks. We only have to face Akeem Hicks if we end up making it to the playoffs and playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So let's just be happy that we don't have to deal with him forklifting Garrett Bradbury into oblivion. That's that's a huge positive for the Vikings. Now they have to be able to take advantage of opportunity. The running game has been really interesting um, at kind of an overall level because, like, Dalvin Cook has been good, 
but that you it just feels like Dave that explosive gear is not there anymore. Right. That's or he he hasn't been able to take it out for for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, just just tough. And he's getting to that age. Mm-hmm. He's still a great running back, but he's running back career lives are short. He's he's got to be extremely happy. Got the big contract. But he's getting to that age or that, you know, that fifth gear, that overdrive, that afterburners, whatever you want to call it, has yet to appear this season. And he was always good at that. Our buddy Drew always used to say, you know, he wanted him playing because he could take it to the house from anywhere on the field. And he's always been that way. But yet we have not seen it this season. So, and it may be that he's, you know, at that point, a running back's career dies by 30. Unlike that's where a lineman's coming into their prime. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it, tough. It's all the abuse they take. I mean, they mm-hmm. do it on purpose. It's, it's hard to be good and do that. You know, you're, you're hitting, you're getting hit. You're pounding all the time. It is, it is, it's not like before. I mean, even before when we had the greats of Earl Campbell and Sweetness and all, and all those guys, it took a lot out on those guys. So now hopefully Dalvin gets better and, you know, he has his shoulder all braced up and we're good to go, but it's. Dave, that's worth noting too. Um, because yeah, I haven't seen Drew in the last few streams. Um, I know he's dealing with some stuff he's and dealing I with some I, grief. I hope you're doing okay. Um, but like I I, I lost my train of thought. Shit. I but don't even remember. We're talking about Dalvin. But Alexander oh, um, Madison's was, running better, and then we got the two young guys behind him. Wang Chung, I was gonna Kei talk Nwangu, about and uh yep. the rookie. I was going to talk about the shoulder harness because Dalvin will be wearing that shoulder harness for the rest of the season. That shoulder is going to give him injuries the rest of his life. And as long as he continues to play football, honestly, without any medical knowledge, just kind of knowing by what the team has told us and what we've seen, Dalvin should never have that shoulder harness off during the course of a game because it's, I think it's just one of those things. It's just going to keep popping. And that's unfortunate. Obviously you don't want to wish that on anyone, and I'm not wishing it on him, but I, I really feel like that is what's going on. And I feel for Dalvin. I think it stinks. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. And he's. I think he needs to wear that. And hopefully it doesn't pop out of place during a game again to where anything that you get was going to be uh, just like after effect pain. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm going to pop out on him during the game. And every time he gets hurt, he fumbles. It's a weird coincidence. Which makes sense. I mean, suddenly you get your arm yanked out of socket. You tend to want to release your fingers and and fumble. That's Trust me, if you've ever had your arm wrenched back, that's what you want to do. Because it causes mm-hmm. pain. I've had injuries to my shoulders, too. And it's no. <laughs> I fully understand that. It's something he's going to have to deal with. 
but I think it's something he can. And like in the old days, put them in a brace, shoot it up. They don't use tar at all like they used to, but they use something else and let him go. Let him go. Run his run his legs off. That's the, that's yeah. the only you know choice um, you have. Mm-hmm. Dave, one guy I want to give some shine to, and then we're going to get out of here for the night. Um, and I do have an announcement, which is going to be a lot Ooh. of fun. Um, Not even I Dalvin know. Tomlinson. You know, you don't know about it because I don't think I've told you yet. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson has been really good. And Daniil Hunter has been, for him, really disappointing and non-existent. Now, it's tough because obviously we know Daniil's coming out two season-ending injuries. He had the sack in week one, and he had three pressures. Since then, he has five pressures in three games. Really feels like he's been kind of stonewalled, and that's really annoying, Dave. It stinks. I I think that when you talk about um, when you talk about Hunter, he should be one of the best uh, players on the field, and he just hasn't been that. Um, I, I hope that he kind of figures it out and he's got his feet back under him. Yes. My man, Bailey Zappi. Did this great close last to night. The Green Bay I wish Packers. they had pulled it out. Oh, that would have been so awesome. I would have been insufferable today, Joseph. And, and I mean, you guys know this. You guys have been listening to me for a while. I love me some Bailey Zappi. Um, Tomlinson has been a real stalwart. And moving to the outside, because he was brought in to be a three technique, which in a 4-3, it's really not his game. Yeah, he's not that type of player. He is perfect for what they're asking him to do. Rush on the outside and be a five technique. Play like Cam Hayward does in Pittsburgh. And he's doing a great job of it. And I just wanted to give him a shout out because he's been awesome to watch. And I'm very excited to kind of see how he continues to dominate on the outside for the Vikings defensive line. Because that defensive line is clicking. It's playing well. And behind it, they need to um, keep fitting. Mm-hmm. Well, Dalvin Tomlinson is the highest-graded defender so far this season on the Minnesota Vikings. He is and his pass rush grade, Dave, is I think it's 91.6. Well, overall like, for the season, it's 86.0. I didn't look at the, I didn't yeah. look at yesterday's grade. But that I is just, outstanding just, for a defensive so. tackle. I just wrote a column for the Vikings wire they're going to see in the morning talking about um, kind of like stock up, stock down stuff, and I gave Dalvin Tomlinson a big stock up because of his performance. Um, he's he's doing very great. exciting. And if if we get Daniil Hunter, Zadarius Smith has been productive, right? Uh, Daniil Hunter is not anywhere near what he was so far. He's played a couple good, very very good right tackles, but he needs to step it up. If he steps it up, gets back to normal, and that and then Phillips just occupying blockers. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, you know, we talk about playing against elite teams. If the pass rush can get there, that makes up for a lot of the deficiencies on the back end when we play shell, which drives people crazy. When we play the zones that we do, that makes up for a lot of it. So if Dalvin Tomlinson plays better. Z plays as well as he's doing. And Daniil gets back to his normal self, and he's nowhere close as of now. If he gets back to there, the defense will improve. The defense is a heartburn spot right now because they're not good. Haven't been real good other than 
points in the fourth quarter. They need to improve. It may take time. I know people are calling for Ed Donatel's head already. But give it a little bit. If those guys get spun up, everything will it'll explode as to how well, and then hopefully they can pressure. Speaking of pressures, how do you beat Chicago? Contain Justin Fields. He is the worst against pressures. He can't stand pressures, right? He can and escape, though. and He can escape, that's one. but he doesn't throw well against pressure. If you get, keep him pressure, and then his wide receivers are dropping balls at a worse rate than any other team in the league. So if you cause him havoc, and this should Ed Donatel, listen to Dave, you know, type deal. Go after him. Bring out a blitz. Bring out a series of blitzes. I know you've been shy on that so far, which is surprising. But bring them out, and it will pay off. Yeah, exactly. All right, Dave, let's uh, let's talk about what we have going on in the network the rest of the week. Tomorrow night we have... Vikings hot t- Viking singular hot takes with a great flip Mozzie and Eric Thompson of Daily Norseman who should have flown back today. You know, we talked about Luke Braun earlier. Luke Braun should be flapping his arms right about now if he mm-hmm. hasn't already got over here. Um, they both come from England. Eric will tell us about being in England and bring us the hot takes as he saw them at Tottenham Hotspur while he was there. Wednesday, we have Vikings Happy Hour. Right now, it's the regular cast. No specific guest. However, we may find one. Who knows what happens in the mysteries of the night. And then come on Saturday, you have two old bloggers, Darren and I. And we'll go over the pregame with the Bears. Darren will obviously talk about Mm -hmm. the Saints game a little bit beforehand because it gives him a chance to do such. We both want to thank you for our highest viewed show, which was last week. What's wrong with Justin Jefferson? We hopefully put that out there. We may do a what's wrong with Kirk Cousins or what's wrong with Daniil Hunter. Who knows what we may do, but it should be a good show. That's Mm -hmm. what's happening on Climbing the Pocket, and we appreciate all of you, everybody out there that's watching that's listening on podcasts, that's commenting on Facebook, commenting, you know, on Twitter. We appreciate you with all our hearts. And as always, please like, subscribe, and ring the bell if you haven't already. Tell your Vikings friends. Tell your Packers enemies. Tell your Saints enemies. We lost our Saints fan who hasn't joined us this week, um, who was talking smack because, of course, we won this week. So. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe we All have right, some yeah. bear fans come on this week. Yep. All right, Dave. Now for my announcement. Um, during obviously the bye week, um, the after the Dolphins game, we do have a bye. Not that Monday, right after the Dolphins game, but the following Monday, I believe it's October twenty fourth. We're going to have Nick Olson and potentially um, Matt Freeze. I need to confirm with Matt. Um, on and we're going to be going in depth with scheme. We're going to be talking about what the Vikings are doing, why they're doing it, why it works, and 
what how they're using this offense and defense to attack. And I want to be able to bring their knowledge and expertise to you in video form because they are two of the smarter guys on the internet when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings and the nitty gritty details. And I really think that it's going to be a fun show. And I want you to look forward to that. I confirmed to Nick this morning. It's going to be a lot of fun. Dave, we're going to have a lot of clips and pictures for you. I just send them to me. I'll get them ready. And uh, if you don't know, Nick Olson, Matt Freeze, and their partner, get off the top of my head. It's Greg. Greg. Yes, Greg. Who's on and off, but he helps do does the podcast Kindred Skulls. And if you are looking for a great Vikings podcast to listen to that is semi-associated with us, not quite, barely some, you know, type deal, um, listen to Kindred Skulls. You will learn an awful lot, and those guys mm-hmm. are great. Until they get They're talking fantastic. about their fantasy teams, and then nobody <laughs> wants to hear about your fantasy team. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. Nobody cares about mine, and I need four points from Matt Gay tonight in order to win in the Vikings Media League. So keep your fingers crossed for uh, four points from the Rams kicker. In the meantime, that is Dave. I am Tyler. Make sure you follow Climb the Pocket at Climb underscore the Pocket. At, on Twitter, make sure you follow me at the Real Forno, Dave. I don't even know how to pronounce your Twitter Twitter handle, so it's Luftkrieger, which means okay. Air Warrior in North Norse. That's that's very very fitting for you, Dave. Yes, very fitting. That's why I picked it uh, twenty years ago. Perfect. In the meantime, make sure you do what Dave said: like, subscribe, Joseph. Bust I am going to go break. Jail. I'm going to go bust him out of jail here in a few minutes. He, I've been keeping an eye on him on my phone. He's been a good boy. He's just sad that he's not with dad. So, meantime, Vikings looking to go 4-1 and one this Sunday. And as we always say is when we turn your Monday purple, Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, the Daily Norsemen, where the best Vikings content can be found. And... To Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.